I imagine we'll be getting a call from our uh, licensing company about that later. <laughs> uh, non solo, Han Solo, non solo. Uh, we're going to talk today about uh, why we can't do this life of following Jesus alone. Uh, which uh, is, this is a message that'll hit people differently. So maybe you're somebody who's kind of known this. This is intuitive for you. You've always had people invited to speak into your life in different ways. Um, <clears throat> but, but maybe you're, you're more of an, uh, an independent type person. Um, I think when we watch movies, when you watch a movie and there's a hero in the movie, it seems like there's always a moment where the hero makes this decision to try to save the world or save the, the, the person or do, do whatever alone, right? There's always that moment. And, and different movies handle this different ways, but oftentimes the, the movie is, is like, okay, the, the hero's got to handle it alone. Lego Batman is a great example of this. You guys know Lego Batman? I'm sure all of you have seen that multiple times, just like I have. But Lego Batman has this choice where he says, I can't I can't, I have to do this alone because he's trying to, he wants to protect his friends and family and he doesn't want them to get hurt while he's saving the world. And then his friends are like, no, you can't do it alone. You gotta let us help you. And there's this kind of like, we, we admire this thing about the hero who says, I can handle this. I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do this by myself. It's the old John Wayne, you know, kind of, I'm gonna walk into this saloon. I'm gonna fight all of these guys, right? By myself and beat them, right? And, and there's something that we kind of look at and there's, there's this like this American sense of independence and like, I don't need anybody else that kind of rises up in us and goes, yeah, that's me. I don't, I don't, I don't need anybody. And when we kind of drag that mentality into uh, following Jesus, we, we're gonna find real quick that it is just not compatible with the life of following Jesus. So maybe you, you know this and you've heard us talk about how important community is and so you've, you, you participate, you, you come and worship and you're like, I'm not doing it alone. See, I show up to church you know, every now and then or you, you go to a class or whatever. But I think we have a tendency to guard certain areas of our life and kind of hold them as private and lock those away from other people and, and in those areas, whether we acknowledge it or not, we're trying to go it alone as, as disciples of Jesus. We're trying to go it alone in these particular areas because we've locked these away. We've decided these are private. These are just between me and God, right? So uh, you may have a question like, isn't it okay for there to be things that are just between me and God? Well, we can talk about that later. Here's what I wanna show you is that when we lock these things away and we say this is just between me and God, this is private, we're, we're standing on our own in an area where we were never meant to stand on our, on our own. Jesus invited us uh, to follow him non-solo, okay? Last time I'm gonna use that phrase, I promise, because I have a hard time like taking it seriously. So we're gonna get serious. So here are the four areas where I think we tend to lock things away and, and make things private, make this about myself. Then we're gonna look at how Jesus modeled and, and demonstrated uh, what we're talking about today for us. And uh, then we're gonna hopefully find a way forward and how to invite people into these areas of our lives. So the first area is in defeating sin, in defeating sin. When it comes to defeating sin, we tend to, to lock this away and make this a private thing. And we're, we're okay for the most part in general saying, well, I'm a sinner just like everybody else, right? And that's like as far as our confession ever actually goes. I'm, I'm a sinner just like everybody else. But when it comes to specifically, okay, let's talk about, let's talk about the nuts and bolts of this. How are you a sinner? And what are, what are some habits and patterns that you're struggling with? We, we lock that away and we make that a, a private thing. When it comes to um, dressing our, our wounds, when we get wounded emotionally, um, we tend to lock that away and, and, and we, we wanna take care of that ourselves. 
And we don't, we don't often share the wounds that are in our heart and, and kind of on our spirit that we experience just as a part of living in a fallen world. We get wounded and we tend to lock those wounds away and we, we make that a private thing. Um, in, a, in, a, in kind of a weird way, we often lock away our progress, our achievements, our steps of faith. When we, when we actually accomplish something or we reach a milestone or we push through something difficult, we lock that away too. Because we, we, sometimes we think, well, I should have actually conquered this a long time ago, so I shouldn't get any credit for getting around to it now. Or we think like, well, we're not supposed to boast, we're not supposed to brag, so I don't, I don't need to tell anybody that I moved forward in this area. But when we lock that away, we make our, our actual, our achievements, our steps of faith private. We're missing an opportunity to invite someone in to celebrate with us. And finally, um, just in particular, in, in steps of faith, somebody challenges us to, to go into deeper water. So what, what is your next step of faith? What is the thing that, that God is sort of been leaning on you, the Holy Spirit's been tapping you on the shoulder to do or to change, and you've kind of been ignoring that? And sometimes we lock those things away and we say, that's, that's private, that's between me and God. Nobody else needs to know what the Holy Spirit is nudging me to do. Well, when we do that, we're just, we're just setting ourselves up to, to try to go it alone in, in our life of discipleship. So how did Jesus talk about the mission, what we're supposed to be doing and what we need from other people in order to do this? So we're gonna be in Luke chapter 10 today and we're gonna see how Jesus sent out disciples uh, for the mission. So in Luke chapter 10, we're gonna be in verses one through, oh, probably 20-ish around there. We'll see how far we get. Um, Jesus had more than just 12 disciples. We think, well, he had 12 disciples, right? He had 12 guys and, and you can name them all, right? Peter, Paul, and Mary, you got it down, right? It's not, those are not, only one of those. It was actually, it. so, um, but he actually had lots of followers, not just the 12 and so in this case, we see that the, the circle is wider than just these 12 uh, guys that spent, spent a lot of time, spent every day with him. The circle is wider than that. So let's pick up in, in Luke chapter one uh, with uh, Jesus sending out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for worker, the worker deserves his wages." Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So Jesus has this, this mission. He's sending these 72 disciples out. And this is a really important mission. Jesus says, I'm gonna travel around. I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach. I'm gonna, I'm gonna heal people. But I need, I need some people to go out and, and prepare the way. So I want you guys to go out into all these towns around us and tell them the kingdom of God is near. If you encounter sick people, I want you to heal them. And, and this, is a, this is kind of a big deal. Like Jesus is, is kind of saying, you've seen what I have been doing now, I want you to go and do what I have been doing. 
I'm gonna give you the power and you have the ability. Like here's, you know, you know how I do things. I just want you to go and do this yourself. Now well, here's, here's the trick. Don't, don't, don't take any money with you. You're gonna go into a town as a stranger and you're gonna depend on the generosity of strangers. And uh, wherever you go, there, some places are gonna be glad that you're there and they're gonna hear your message and they're gonna welcome you and treat you well. And some places, they're not gonna be glad that you're there. They're not gonna like the message that you're bringing. And, and so you, you gotta deal with, you gotta, you gotta react and respond to these things in different ways. So for some of these disciples, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in, in their headspace. Like when they hear this, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he, he says, pray that God will send workers out into the harvest field. And then in the next breath, he's like, and you're the answer to that prayer, by the way. If you just pray that God would send out workers, guess what? It's you, now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. How many of them are excited about this? Yay, I can't wait to be a lamb. Because we know how lambs and wolves get along, right? Who wins? Not the lambs. the lambs. The lambs don't do too well against wolves. But Jesus is like, that's his pep talk, right? This is, you guys got this, right? You're lambs among wolves, right? It's not, it's not the greatest pep talk. So he's sending them out. And I just want you to imagine that this is your job, that, that you're, you're gonna take the message of Jesus. You're gonna go into a strange town. Let's just say uh, you, 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 you're gonna walk from here um, to, uh, what's, a, what's a strange town? Uh, Windfall. You're gonna walk from here to Windfall. Uh, I, I think that's a, is that a town. That's a real town. Yeah, it's up there somewhere. And you're gonna go into town. You're gonna go stand in a public place and you're gonna just stand there and whoever walks by, you're gonna tell them, hey, guess what? The kingdom of God is near. And you just see how they respond. Is that exciting to you or is that like, no thanks. You know, that's probably, somebody else should sign up for that. What Jesus is not talking to the 12, the 12 who, who signed up to spend every day with him. He's talking to 72. This is a broader circle. And he's saying, you guys can do this. But he did not send them alone. Why? Well, I think, I think we can... We can try to analyze Jesus's reasons and evaluate all of that. But I think the, the reality is they couldn't have done it alone. They could not have done it alone. Like, like I can imagine these guys feeling a little overwhelmed by the responsibility they're being given. You're carrying the good news. You're carrying the gospel with you and you're supposed to heal people and you're supposed to cast out demons. And they're like, what, us? We're just fishermen. We're just, you know, I worked in a coal mine before this and now I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. But he said, you're not going alone. He sent them out together, two by two. And so I just imagine these guys walking along the road to their first town that they're gonna come up to and they're like, all right, Andy, do you think we're actually gonna be able to heal people? Like he said to do that. Do you think we could actually, could we actually do that? Like, have you ever healed anyone? Are we actually gonna be able to do this? And like, Cameron, do you think anybody's gonna listen? Like we're gonna say this message. Is anybody gonna listen to anything we say? Why would they listen to us? We're not Jesus. And we, we, we've got, they've got all these questions circling around and, what if they get violent? You know, what if they, what if they get really mad and they want to hurt us? And can you imagine these kind of conversations and what would be missing if you were by yourself <laughs> thinking, thinking these thoughts just in your own head? How am I going to heal people? How am I going to, how am I going to handle it if they don't like me? And what am I going to do if they reject me? And all these, all these questions. Can you imagine the encouragement that would come just having somebody else by your side to do this with you? 
This is the model. This is the plan. Jesus has a mission for all of us. We are all called. If you didn't get that message last week, you need to go back and listen to last week's message by Derek Duvall. We are all called, right? So I'm, I'm just standing on the, the, his shoulders and telling you this. Like We are all called. We all have this responsibility, and we cannot do it alone. We're never meant to. Jesus never sent them out alone. Even when the apostle Paul travels, right? We get all these, you know, the travel, the missionary journeys of Paul and it's Paul, and it's Paul this and it's, it's like, well, his name is on the marquee everywhere, right? He never went anywhere by himself. That guy, that guy had an entourage most of the places he went, right? Paul traveled together with other Jesus followers because we're not meant to do this alone. Why? I... Um, I built a deck last, or this past spring. Gosh, it feels like so much longer ago. And uh, when, I, when I, I, I started to like, have you ever taken on a project and then you, you're, you're, like, you're like, okay, it's time to start. What do I do? <laughs> that was, I was standing in my yard going, all right, we're, we're gonna build a deck. What do I do? <laughs> I had no idea how to even start, right? I just knew my wife wants a deck. <laughs> And uh, I want it to be awesome. That was the thing. I wanted it to be a great, you know, a great place for our family to hang out. And I, I just wanted it to look good. I wanted it to be sturdy. I wanted it to last the rest of my life. I, I, I had all of these dreams about what it was going to be like, but I had no idea what to do. So what I do? I, I called some people who know what to do, who know how to build decks. And they came over and they helped me, helped me lay things out. And we were drawing lines and painting things on the ground and running string. And it was great. And then when I went to Lowe's to go buy all the stuff, they were gone. These guys just disappeared. Uh, so I, I bought all the stuff myself. But what we ended up with is, is, a, is a pretty nice place for my family to hang out. And that was so important to me that I was not willing, I was not willing to screw it up by trying to do it by myself, right? I, it was too important. This life of following Jesus, of being a disciple of Jesus and living out this call, to, to take the gospel with us everywhere we go. It's too important for us to screw it up by trying to do it by ourselves. It's too important. We, we have got to invite some other people in. So I just wanna go through these four areas uh, one more time, talk about how we need to invite people in. This is all about an invitation into your life, okay? We, we can't force anybody to walk with us but we can invite people in to these different places of our lives. And so I wanna go through these four areas, then we're gonna have somebody come and share with you because sometimes it's like, yeah, you're a, you're a professional Christian. Like we, you, we know you think this way, but we don't really have to. We're just regular people. Um, the, the people that Jesus sent out, these 72 were regular people too. And so we're gonna have a, a non-professional, somebody that doesn't get paid to do anything for the church, uh, come and share with you in just a minute about what this looks like in his life as well. So uh, let's, let's look first at the, the concept of defeating sin. Now we tend to lock this away, we make this a private thing. Instead, we need to flip the script on this. We need to invite somebody in and, and uh, what we call accountability. You've heard that phrase, accountability, if you've been around church a lot or there's a lot of other areas of life where you might experience accountability in your job. You probably have some, some level of accountability, I hope, and that's kind of built in there. But accountability in this sense, is, is in the sense of discipleship partner, is we need to invite someone in who has permission to speak hard truths into our lives, who has permission to, to look for our blind spots, right? I like that phrase, blind spot, because you can't see your own blind spot, can you? That's why it's called a blind spot, right? Because you, you can't see it, 
right? You know, uh, we, we used to have cars that had blind spots. Now cars have cameras all over them and there's no blind spots anymore. Um, and so we used to have cars that have blind spots and you always, you, your passenger, that was their job is to, hey, check, is it okay for me to change lanes? Can I, can I go over? Can you check my blind spot? Well, we need the same thing in our walk with Jesus. We need somebody that can watch our blind spots for us. Who, who knows what your blind spots are? Who is invited into your life to speak into your blind spots? Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This concept of, of iron sharpening iron, it's a great mental picture, isn't it? Because you can see that. You can see that image in your mind, iron sharpening iron. What do you see? I see sparks flying. That's what I see. I see sparks flying. When iron sharpens iron, in order to remove the parts of the iron that are keeping it from being a good tool, keeping it from being sharp, there's, there's some friction happening and it's, it's uncomfortable, right? Maybe even painful because we don't like to tell people that we're sin. We don't like to tell people the ways in which we sin. We don't mind saying, hey, I'm a sinner, like just like everybody else, right? But we don't like to tell people the ways that we sin. That feels uncomfortable, and in some weird, twisted way, we think it's, it's embarrassing to tell other people the ways that we sin, as though the person that we're telling doesn't have sin in their own life, right? Why, why would we be embarrassed? Like, everybody sins, everybody struggles, and so we need to be able to sit down with somebody and say, hey, I want you, I want you to look into my life, and maybe there's some ways that I'm not following Jesus well, and I want you to call that out of me. I want you to help me see it so we can deal with it and move on. How many regrets in your life could have been prevented if someone was speaking into your blind spots? Man, I, th- I think about that question a lot. Man, how many, how many things I could have avoided? How many destructive words that came out of my mouth or behaviors that came out of me that could have been prevented if I had somebody speaking into that area of my life and saying, hey, Adam, like, I'm seeing this in you, and you've invited me to speak in, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna accept that invitation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you about this. So that invitation to speak hard truths is important. We need accountability. We, somebody has to have permission to speak into our lives. Um, second, uh, we need uh, somebody to help dress our wounds. We need to be able to acknowledge that when we've been wounded emotionally, and uh, we need... We need healing is what we need. And so we need to invite someone in uh, to dress our wounds with us. Uh, now, what, what we're not doing is expecting our friends to be professional therapists, okay? There's a, there's a line there that we need to understand the difference between I need some comfort from a friend versus I need uh, you know, a, a mental health professional to talk to about this. And, and we need both most of the time. But uh, you, you know how... Have you ever seen an animal that got wounded? We used to have a cat that would get in fights, you know? And whenever it got in a fight, uh, we, we lived in, uh, when I was a kid, we lived in, in Tennessee. There were a lot of bobcats around. And so I always thought my cat was pretty awesome because it would get in fights with bobcats and survive, you know? Um, but it would, it would come home wounded and it would go hide somewhere, right? It, it would go and hide uh, until it felt better. When what it actually needed was to be present with someone who could help you know, dress the wounds and, and get it, help it heal and get well. And we do the same thing. We get wounded and we go hide. Maybe not physically, but emotionally we hide. And when we hunker down and we protect and we guard, that's a very natural response, but it doesn't lead to healing. And what we need is, is someone who has permission 
to, to step in and we acknowledge our wounds with them and we dress, we dress those wounds. When, when Jesus uh, gave um, the command, love your neighbor as yourself, you guys remember that? And someone asked him, who is my neighbor? What was Jesus' response? He told the parable of the Good Samaritan in response to that question. And this, this is a story about a, a Jewish man who's on the road um, and he gets attacked and robbed and beaten and left for dead in the ditch. And the only person that would stop and help him is the person that should have been his, his kind of natural enemy, the Samaritan, stops. And, and what does he do? The first thing he does when he stops, he, he binds his wounds. He, he addresses these, these, uh, these things that are preventing health in the life of, of this man, this complete stranger. So I don't know that you need to confess your wounds to a complete stranger, but you need someone who's invited in to dress your wounds because that's what love does, right? Sometimes we, we hold love at arm's length because we're afraid to talk about our woundedness. And we need to, we need to allow someone to love us and, and dress our wounds. Uh, third, uh, we need to invite someone in who can call out the good they see in us and celebrate with us the good things. And this is, this is something that for me is very counterintuitive. It's, I've always been like warned as a kid, you know, don't brag, don't boast, don't, you know. And humility, to me, humility was always taught as though like, don't tell anybody you're good at anything. That's not humble. Um, I have since learned that that's not what humility means. Uh, and hopefully you've learned that as well. But that's what I, was, I, I felt as a kid. And so this idea of, of celebrating when I make progress, uh, it, it feels wrong in some kind of way. And so what, what we're not talking about is you getting a microphone and standing on a stage and then telling everyone about all the great things you've accomplished. That's not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is sitting down with a friend and being able to celebrate, hey, I... I, I kicked a habit, you know? I had this habit that, that was holding me back and I, it's gone. Or I have, I have started um, this new prayer pattern in my life that's really life-giving to me. It's helping me connect with God and being able to share that and celebrate that. Or I, you remember the person I've been telling you about that I've had a hard time with and get, I, I just forgave them. I forgave them and I let go of it and I'm moving on and be able to celebrate that with somebody. Who, who do you do that with? Who are you who are you secure enough in your relationship to be able to say, I'm, I'm actually doing well. I actually made some progress here and, and I wanna celebrate that together. Would you celebrate that with me? I think it's really important that we do that. When, when Jesus sends the 72 out, they come back and they tell him, we're gonna circle back to this later. They say, Jesus, even the demons submitted to us in your name. Listen to his response. This is Luke 10, 18. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He, he goes on. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you're pleased to do. So they come back and they say, Jesus, it went great. And Jesus is like, Great. Awesome, let's celebrate that. Actually, let's celebrate how good God is because it's not you that's great, it's God that's great. Let's make sure we acknowledge that. But yeah, let's celebrate. And Jesus was full of joy at the obedience. Really, it was just their obedience they could celebrate, right? You obeyed. So let's celebrate your obedience. So he did that with them. This is really important. We invite people into our lives to call out the good, celebrate with us. And finally, um, we need to invite people into our lives who are gonna challenge us uh, into deeper waters, we need to invite people that are gonna um, challenge us to grow. 
spiritually, to move forward. We need somebody who will tap us on the shoulder and say, what has God been nudging you to do that you've been avoiding, right? How many of you want to hear that question on a Monday morning, right? Like, I have enough guilt, I have enough pressure, I have enough things to do. Don't ask me that question. But how else are we going to grow, right? If we, if we truly say, I don't want to be the same person next year that I am today, I, I want to be farther down the road, how do you get there? Something has to change. How does it change? There has to be a pressure point for change to happen. And that pressure point is that person tapping you on the shoulder and going, all right, Brian, what is it that God has been nudging you to do that you've been avoiding? Let's talk about that. That thing that you don't want to talk about, let's talk about that. That step that you know you need to take that you just don't want to take, let's talk about that. And I'm here to help you. I'm here to walk with you, not just to judge you or criticize your slow progress. Like, let's do this together. Who is, who is doing that in your life and, and for you? A true friend encourages you to move forward in your faith. And one of the best examples of this in scripture is a man named Barnabas. Barnabas doesn't get a lot of press. There's not a lot of ink uh, spilled uh, telling about all the great things Barnabas did. But when you read through the book of Acts, you see Barnabas behind the scenes of some great things happening in the church Barnabas is part of the reason that the apostle Paul got connected with the church in Antioch, and it was the church in Antioch that sent Paul out with Barnabas to be missionaries. And Barnabas was the one. Paul was just sitting in a town, like his hometown, just kind of like trying to figure things out, and Barnabas goes and gets him. And he says, hey, you've got, like, there's things for you to do. God wants you engaged, like, let's do some stuff together. And he went and got Paul. And he did the same thing for John Mark. So Barnabas was one of those people who just stepped into people's lives and said, hey, I, I think there's another step for you to take. Let me help you. And Barnabas would walk with them to take that next step. Who's doing that for you? Uh, so with, with all of that being said, and I, I know like, again, I, th- I think sometimes it's like, well, professional Christian Adam, yeah, I'm sure he's, he's got people in his life that do all those things and comes naturally and easily for him. It's not really true, but it it can look that way. So I just want you to hear from somebody who's not a a, a paid minister uh, that I think uh, has, this this kind of mentality has impacted his life. So Jason, uh, would you come and just uh, take a minute? He's gonna share with us just how uh, this has impacted his life. You're gonna need that microphone. Sorry. (laughs) Nice. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jason Ayers. I've been attending here for four or five years, something like that. And like uh, Adam said, I am not a paid professional preacher or professional much of anything, really. I'm just kind of a normal guy that, that lives around here. Um, but, but I am that guy who, like, like, will hunker down when I'm wounded. I am that guy who, who feels like, you know, I can't, can't, like, express my true self and my feelings because... You know, I was raised up to be a man. I was raised up to, you know, toughen things out and just do it by myself. Um, that's, that's who I, I still am. I'm working on that and have been working on that for quite some time. You know, and, and I have two kids. I have two young kids, 11 and 8, Finley and Fiona. And one thing that I remember about Finley especially, you know, he was always involved in what I was doing, right? He always wanted to do what I was doing, whether it be fixing a fence or or working on the house or whatever. He's like, I do it myself. I do it myself. Like everything was, I do it myself. Pouring milk in the cereal bowl when he's three, he's gonna do it by himself, right? Everything you wanna do 
by himself. I'm like, you can't, you can't do everything by yourself. And like, you're, you're three years old, you're four years old, you're 11 years old. I mean, if I said, hey, let's go, go put a new roof on the garage, he's like, I'd do it myself. Like, he can't, but I think, I think I've taken that same thing, because I was the same way. I mean, most, most of us guys, most of us kids are the same way. I think I've held on to that, even through adulthood, where it's like, I, I do it myself. And a few years ago, I um, had a, a blessing of an opportunity to meet with a couple guys um, on a weekly basis. And we met uh, once a week uh, for about a year or so. And we started uh, this study called The Dust of the Rabbi. And the study was great. Basically, we just, we just learned what it liked to, to follow Jesus, what his life was really like, what kind of attitudes Jesus had, what, how he handled himself and, 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 and handled others. Um, and the study was great. And I learned a ton. But one thing that I didn't realize that I was going to learn was how to be vulnerable, how to be, how to step out and say, hey, this is really me and I I have feelings too. And it took a year to get that way and it took a year to develop trust with these two guys to do it. But one thing, I've never done this and I've always held on to to like my childhood and all the, the difficult things that I went through and I never talked about it. And I finally had an opportunity to do that with two guys that I trusted. And then it became easy, easier for me to say, hey, I went through this stuff. What do you guys think? Hey, I, I feel this way now because of this. You know, there was times where I broke down crying, probably for the first time since my little girl was born, right? And it's cool to cry when you're a dad, when your kids are born, and it's acceptable. It's like, oh, that's sweet, he's crying because his cat was born. But it's not cool, it's not sweet when you're crying because you've held on to this burden and this pain for 30, 40 years. That's not cool. But it was really special to me to be able to do that. It was like a huge burden lifted off. And it was because of that vulnerability and letting go of so many things to two men that I trusted with my life that I was able to break down some of those walls that I built up. I was able to allow Jesus in more because I was letting go of the pain and the hurt that I've held on for so long. And it's about vulnerability then, just, just letting go and knowing that I'm not alone to have those things, um, have someone to talk to about. And then last year, um, I went through a divorce. And I mean, that was like a life-crushing thing. Crushing thing. And those same emotions, those same like healing tactics that I've, I've held on for so long came rushing back. Like, I'm gonna hunker down, I'm gonna hide my emotions, I'm gonna build up all these walls so no one could ever hurt me again. So I was angry. I was angry of what happened to me, I was angry of all the things I had to go through. But was that healthy to do that? Was it, I wasn't able to get anywhere with those walls. It was like a big prison for me. All these bricks around me that I've used to protect myself, really just made me a prisoner in my own heart, in my own mind, shutting everybody out, shutting God out, saying, nope, I'm shutting everything down. And this, and this guy approached me, um, this, this is where it gets hard because this is where I know it's a God thing. This guy came to me, he's like, hey, I, I, I've been through some of this stuff. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind talking to you about it. And there's a link from, from a few years ago when I was able to be a little bit vulnerable with, with those two guys, to this, to this other person coming in and say, hey, I, I think I could help you with that. All right, you know, I, I've been vulnerable before. Come on, let's, let's talk about it. And um, 
So it's, his name is Russ. He's sitting over there. He, he talked to me about, I don't know how often we talked, for once a week for a while, and, and then we got through a lot of things. But what he was able to do was tell me and convince me that I'm not alone and I'm gonna be okay. And he directed me towards the scripture that I could read and study and get in depth of. It was like, hey, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna make it if I hold on to what Jesus taught, hold on to what, how God loves me. I don't have to be alone. I don't, I don't have to go through it myself. And I don't, I don't know where I'd be. I, and and I, if you hear nothing of what I'm saying, please, please hear this. I don't know where I would be if I didn't take that leap of faith to be vulnerable, to allow other people into my life to help me, to allow other people say, hey, you're not alone. We're with you. I don't know where I'd be. I, I, and I thought about it and I thought about this a lot. Um, is that link between the first group of two guys where I learned to be vulnerable and share and them pulling me along, them, them pulling me just like Barnabas did, pulling me into, hey, Jesus has more for you and it's okay to be hurt. And that link to, to Russ saying, hey, I'm here. I feel your pain. I know what it feels like. Here's some steps to get through it. Now, I got a lot of friends um, and family that I, you know, of course, through going through a divorce that I leaned on, right? A lot, of those, a lot of those friends were, you know, just angry with me, right? They would, they would be fired up and say, hey, I can't believe this happened to you. We're, we're hurting with you. And, and that helped. And it helped tremendously. And I, and I love my friends and family for doing that. But it, it was temporary. It was a temporary time of relief of the pain. But when Russ said, okay, this is how you're going to get through it. You're not alone. This is the steps to take to come to the other side. And do it in such a way that, that you're not gonna have regrets. Of course I made mistakes, and of course I have some regrets, but doing it God's way allowed me to say, hey, I did the best I could, made mistakes, but I think I, think I followed the guidance of Jesus the best I could. And without that reminder, without that push and pull, I don't know, I mean, I, I, was full, I was pretty angry. I could have done some really mean and bad things that I would have regretted, that would have hurt more people. But I didn't do them because of the help of, of my brothers. So I guess I'll, I'll just leave you with this. Think about where, where you would be if you didn't have those people in your life then. Or if you have somebody, think about where, where they could be if you got involved and help, help pull them along. Anyway, that's my story. And again, I'm just, I'm just a normal guy going through normal stuff that we, that we all go through. Life is hard. Life is hard. But it can be easier to be vulnerable, to let people in, let people help, and do the same for those people that are going through the hard time. Thanks, Jason. Okay, so here's, here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray here in just a minute. And after I pray, uh, I'm, I'm going to invite you to, to come forward. We're going to have some folks uh, who are going to stand up here and be ready to pray with you. So here's what, here's what I want to ask you. If, if it's been a long time or never that you've invited someone in to help you defeat sin, if it's been a long time or never that you've invited somebody in to dress your wounds, if it's been a long time or never that you've invited somebody to celebrate something a, a, a step, a good step with you. 
If it's been a long time or never that you've had somebody challenge you um, to take a step of faith, uh, I, I would love for you to come forward and just uh, pray with the person uh, who's in front of you that, that you, you can come down and pray with them. And you don't have to be real specific. The person up here may be a stranger to you. You don't need to go into a lot of stuff. But I, I just want you to pray that God would begin to, to move in your heart to deal with these things, that he would move in your heart to, to bring people that you can invite in to speak into these parts of your life. So we're just gonna have a time of prayer. And there's gonna be a lot of people up here that are, are available to pray. So don't, don't hold back because you feel like you're, you're gonna crowd. If, if everybody up here is occupied, and you just end up praying by yourself, that's, that's okay too. If you, if you have somebody in this room that you wanna pray with, that is that person for you and you wanna grab them and say, hey, it's just been a while. Can we, can we go down and pray together? Then now's the time for that. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. Would you stand with me? And I'm, I'm gonna pray and then uh, we're just gonna open it up. Uh, our, our, our prayer warriors are gonna be down here up front and, uh, and ready to pray with you. Father, we thank you that you have set the church up in such a way that um, we don't have to do this by ourselves. My prayer this morning, Father, is that we would begin to let go of some of the areas of our lives that we've just held onto to be, to be private, to be to ourselves, that we've locked away, and that you would, you would help us to unlock that this morning to invite someone in and be, be vulnerable, like Jason said, um, just to take a, a step of faith because what you've called us to do, the life you've called us to live, it's difficult, but it's so important. Would you just impress on our hearts the kind of people you created us to be and how much we need each other in order to become those people? Would you do that, Father, in us and through us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen.